Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. As the great hymn proclaims, Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with Thine own holiness. We gather this next hour around the gift of the Holy Scriptures and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. The light shines on us today from Paul's second letter to the Church of Corinth as we conclude chapter 1. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I am your new host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. A special thanks this morning to Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. LHF distributes Bible-based, Christ-centered catechetical resources around the world to point people to Christ in their first language. Visit LHF Missions for more information, lhfmissions.org. We have with us today Pastor Scott Adel of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. Pastor Adel, welcome to Thy Strong Word. It's good to be here. Pastor Adel, you've been on here clearly more than or longer than I have been. How long have you been coming on to Thy Strong Word to study God's Word? Well, I think I uh, I took this call seven years ago, and I think shortly after that time I got put put in the rotation. So yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for uh, bringing God's Word and being part of this for that long. And on that note, like I said, I'm new. This is actually my second time on on Thy Strong Word. So if you could share a few things about yourself and the work of the saints at Good Shepherd, give us a few moments of that. Yeah, so I, I'm a pastor here in Collinsville, Illinois, which is just right across the river from St. Louis, and associate pastor here at Good Shepherd, and I've been here for seven years. And no, we've enjoyed the time, uh, of course, b- being a pastor here and doing Bible studies live with the church and preaching and teaching and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't know if it's just because uh, we're that close to St. Louis or what, but uh, we've had the opportunity to be on Thy Strong Word for the last few years now and have enjoyed that too. Wonderful. Well, yesterday, and this is a lot of fun, I made a request of our listeners to send an email because you know, I've, I've listened to this uh, program for quite a quite a long time, and you always wondered, well, who is all actually listening um, to this? And so I, I sent to the listeners, sent them all to you. I said to them, send me an email and tell me where you're from. Where are you listening from? And you know what? I asked the same of you today, our listeners, that if, you, if you've already done so, don't need to do it again today, but send us an email at k- kfuo at kfuo.org and tell us where you are from. So far, we know that we are, have listeners from Illinois, Colorado, Nevada, Florida, Montana, Missouri, Kansas, the tundra of Minnesota, and even outside our own country, we got an email from Colombo, Sri Lanka. So, um, Pastor, if you're having worries about uh, who's listening, those are the states that are listening to you. <laughs> so, That's interesting. Yeah. Isn't it, though? Yeah, it really was. So if there's other listeners, I want to hear from you. Simply email kfuo at kfuo.org and tell us from where you're joining us. You can tell us more if you wish, but a simple, hey, I'm listening from wherever it might be. Even if it's Collinsville, Illinois, and you're one of the members of Pastor Adel, that'd be great as well. So we are to begin to search the scriptures today. Pastor, can you begin us in prayer? Yeah, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here this day to hear your word as we hear it. Help us to understand it and help us to know how it applied not only to the people when Paul was around and writing, but also how it still applies to us because it is your word. 
And through that word, you strengthen our faith and help us toward your goal of salvation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are concluding chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. And it's, it's interesting to me as I've been, we've been studying this yesterday and now into today, and we'll be doing so for the next couple of weeks. As you look at 2 Corinthians, I found myself always reading 1 Corinthians. Like I find myself going back to that because you have, he talks about communion, he talks about um, worship, he talks about the roles of men and women, he talks about all these things. And, and I kept reading that, and there's just a lot of gems. But 2 Corinthians, I always had a tendency to go to chapters 8 and 9 for stewardship. You know, and so it's always interesting to me to look at this Second Corinthians and to really dig in. So I, we we talked about introductory things yesterday, but I wanted you to add what you have for us today about Second Corinthians. Any remarks concerning the context or the background to get us started? Yeah, and I, I I'm sure you talked a little bit about this yesterday, but Paul finds himself in just a very human situation and a situation that we all have experienced, and specifically the thing that he's dealing with in this letter is the fact that he'd made a promise that he was going to come to them. And obviously this promise is made at at a long distance, and in between there, when you're at a long distance, you can only communicate uh, by a messenger or with a letter, which is obviously how we have these letters, but just the fact that there is a distance between them and that they're not able to speak face-to-face, and as time goes on and Paul hasn't come back, people start to wonder, well, wait a second, what, why, why isn't he here? What's wrong with either us or what's wrong with Paul? Why hasn't this happened? He told us he was going to be here. And, I mean, we, we, like I said, we all find ourselves in this state today not only because of Uh, written letters, but we find this often even over phone calls or especially text message or email, some kind of uh, electronic communication where since you're not face-to-face, you can't read body language, you can't read tone, and when that is the case, you, you automatically start sometimes overthinking things and becoming suspicious or wondering, did he really say that this way or did he say that this way what's going on here and this is this is <laughs> this is the thing that Paul one of the things at least that Paul is dealing with in this letter is the fact that he's made uh, a promise and yet he hasn't been able to fulfill that promise and it, sometimes he I mean he does kind of point out a valid reason in the in the section you covered yesterday was that he suffered affliction in Asia, and he even thought he might be going to die. Thankfully, that di- that didn't happen, but he still hasn't fulfilled uh, his promise to the Corinthians. And, and in, in that lapse, and you, you'll talk about this more when you get later on in the letter, but there are other people at the Corinthian church who aren't exactly fans of Paul, and they are clearly muttering or putting forward hypotheses about Paul that aren't exactly true either. And so they have other people talking in their ear, and Paul is still at a distance. He's got to try and cover this all over letter, and it it leads to, I mean, what we read today and also what you'll read a little bit next time when you you get to Chapter 2 as well. 
That is really profound as far as putting, I would say, the putting the humanness into this. And we can relate with that so well. Even now, you send a text. And if you don't text within the day, a lot of times not right away, people are wondering, um, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this and, is and, and not, not because of any fault of you. I mean, maybe you just didn't have your phone or maybe you were gone. And through Absolutely. no fault of your own, uh, just because time has passed, questions and maybe even suspicions, and, and, and depending on what the text involved especially or the email or whatever it was, just questions start to pop up and people start thinking or overthinking things. And it can be, I mean, you see Paul trying to work through some of this from afar. He really is. And we talked about this yesterday, is you have First Corinthians, which he really lays it to them. I mean, there's definitely grace in, in First Corinthians, but he lays it to them. We talked about it that, that Luther talked about how First Corinthians was like pouring sharp wine into their wounds. You know, this is what he compared it to. But then he talked about how Second Corinthians was where he would um, put oil into their wounds, pours oil into their wounds. And mm -hmm. he speaks about that, and I think that's a perfect way. And you've really um, peeled back a lot of that humanness, a lot of the backstory of that, because when he writes to them, he's writing to them knowing that there's controversy. And he probably had to hold back a little bit because he's like, I was in... I was in Ephesus and they, they started attacking me, you know, uh, Demetrius and, and they were, they wanted to build more to Artemis and do all this. And they took my friends and took me away. And now you're upset at me that I didn't visit. I mean, come on get over yourself. So you could yeah. see <laughs> he's got all this going on in his heart, but he lays it thick in the first chapter with two words we talked about was comfort. He says it 10 times in those 11 verses. He says mm -hmm. comfort that you would have comfort but also that God is the God of all comfort. And then he ends that part with deliverance, that I was delivered from Asia and he will deliver us again. So that, that really lays it out there of our own struggles um, and our own realities in our world and then uh, presents it so well to how it relates to today. Thank you for that. Any last comments on introductory thoughts? Well, just, just as you said there, one, one of the keys is comfort, and this is actually, and you'll talk about this more next time, but this is actually one, one of the reasons Paul didn't show up yet was because he says, I could tell even at a distance that we were at odds, and if I showed up and you were angry at me and, like, the relationship was not good, then who's able to repair that relationship? I mean, if, if I'm supposed to be the teacher and all the students are mad at me, who is there to restore that except me? And you're, I'm the one you're mad at. And so he, he even says, you know, I, I, I think he, he clearly says, we're taking a bit of time here for, for things to settle down and maybe everyone will just calm down and we can get back to a relationship similar to the one we had before, which is, as he explains in our passage today, was one of sincerity and, and simplicity and openness and that you accepted me as I spoke and I took you as people I was speaking to without any guile or without any thinking. Anyone was trying to deceive either of us and that th that's the kind of relationship where people can say things and not be misinterpreted or not have 
accusations or suspicions behind it, but uh, it will have to happen face to face. This is this is one of the things. I mean, obviously, this is just one of the limits of communicating via some kind of technology, whether that technology is writing or computer or phone or whatever. It's also one of the things that John talks about in his letters when he says, mm-hmm. "Hey, there's there's more that I would like to." chat about, but we should do that face-to-face. And uh, you see that Paul isn't quite in the same exact situation as John, because he, he doesn't know exactly when he's going to get to see the Corinthians face-to-face, but I, I'm sure he too recognizes that, that that's the best way. So let's, let's dig in. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll be starting in verse 12, and reading 12 through verses 14. Reminder to our listeners, we are reading from the English Standard Version of the Bible, the ESV. The words from Paul. For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience, that we have behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity, not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so toward you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and acknowledge, And I hope you will fully acknowledge, just as you did partially acknowledge us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us as we will boast of you. He uses the word here, Pastor, boast. And this might be a little bit of being a Minnesotan where we don't ever want to be seen as arrogant or boastful, but isn't boastful bad? I mean, he kind of speaks about it in weird ways here, but he says, for our boast is this. What is he talking about with boasting? Yeah, well, this is going to pay out more later in the letter where he's going to be comparing himself to others who boast of all sorts of things, who who boast about their background and they have letters of recommendation possibly, and that this is one of the ways that those others attain standing in the church at Corinth. And Paul talked earlier in, in 1 Corinthians about not boasting in anything except in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and Him crucified, and, and, and these kind of things. And so, yeah, boast is one of those things that uh, Paul plays plays with in this letter, because usually when we think of boasting, we think of pride and maybe even arrogance sometime. But it, it's almost always pointing to oneself and to one's strengths and to one's victories, to one's accomplishments, and that's not not really the way that Paul takes it. I mean, there'll be kind of a humorous way that he, that he talks about his accomplishments later on in the letter, but he, he never goes into his greatness. He never goes into his victories. He almost always goes into his weaknesses, which sets up kind of uh, a humorous a humorous contrast because here he's talking about boasting, but he's he's talking about losing all the time, and everyone would have to be well. What kind of what kind of boasting is this? Why 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 would you talk about that? And here he's just saying out, setting out forthrightly. Listen, my boast is this: I, I'm not a liar. I'm not a rhetorician. I'm not good with earthly wisdom, which is one of the things that he talked about in First Corinthians as well. Mm. But he just said no. I'm open and simple and honest. I, I have godly sincerity. If, 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 if that's something to be boasting about, then he, he's just trying to tell them, I, uh, I have not tried to lead you on. I have not tried to uh, 
uh, hoodwink you in any way or or promote myself. When 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 I was there, you saw exactly how I was, that I was a simple man, that I was an honest man, and that I was sincere, and that uh, I didn't lean on earthly wisdom, and I, I've been... I've been a straight shooter with you. You know, it's interesting, too, as he writes this, he talks about a, his conscience being clear, basically, mm-hmm. according to the testimony of our conscience. And I, I found that really fascinating because he didn't act, as you said, by earthly wisdom. And if you, the, the, the Corinth, you know, Corinth was a port town. It was a town with tons of different ideologies, tons of different ideas. People were coming from all over the world to this town. And so if they were to look at the church and look at Paul and go, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, why is he so worried about this communion thing? I mean, who cares who goes first? So who cares who mm-hmm. receives it? It's no big deal. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's going through this and saying, I did what God called me to do. I did it simple. I did it sincerely, which meaning in faith. And yeah. I've done all this with uh, a God-pleasing way. So he's not trying to justify himself per se, but he's just no. being very honest because he's having to defend his ministry. Like we said, where's this Paul guy? How come he hasn't been here? And then he says, I've done all of it according um, to what God has called me to do. And I find it interesting, verse 14, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. But just as you did partially acknowledge us, what does he mean by that? Partially acknowledge us. That, uh... When he was there, he was welcomed. I mean, and he was recognized as an apostle, and they listened to what he says. I mean, this is this is the only reason that his letters mean anything at all to them, and how he could hurt their feelings is because they thought of him as something, and not overly thought of him as something, but but they thought of him as someone that they wanted to see again, that they had learned from. Mm. And mm. so he, he said, yeah, you, you, you understood it perfectly when I was there, or at least you partially understood it. Obviously, time has gone on and, and other situations have arisen. But when I you, you accepted me, you accepted my teaching. And clearly, when I wrote to you, you listened and so much so that when I wrote sharp things, it hurt you. And and so, I mean, just in the way that they reacted shows that they did see him as a true teacher of God. And I think this is what he's acknowledging here. And he also talks about, you know, I hope you understand. And this is very a pastoral understanding. This is what we strive to be as pastors, is that we pray and hope that what we preach is, first of all, the truth. But we also pray and hope that people will take it to heart. And yeah, it might be sharp at times, but also our goal is for the sake of salvation and how he ends with boasting. This is this is a fascinating part. I've never heard this, that that we will boast on the day of our Lord Jesus, which when all I read that talks about when Jesus returns and takes us to eternity with him, that you will boast of us and we will boast of you. I'm thinking, how am I going to pull that into a funeral sometime is that we're able to boast you know, that this person's with Jesus, that we will boast together. Any any thoughts? I, I think of Revelation 7, you know, you're there around around the Lamb of God and white robes and everything, and just thinking this is a time of boasting. I, I, I'm fascinated to hear more what you have to think about that. I think it, it, in that on that day, it will be just a joyful recognition of how each of us as Christians has played into the lives of other Christians 
and strengthen them and encourage them. And their, their boast will be to Paul that he helped them, that he, he taught them. And, I mean, you, you get later on in this letter where he says of the Church of Corinth that you're my letter of recommendation. The, the fact that <laughs> there true. are faithful people in Corinth because of something that I taught, he'll go on to say over and over again, it's not because of who I was, but it's because I was blessed with the task of preaching the gospel, and God worked through me. And by golly, you guys believe, right? And, and they, they both find joy in that relationship. I think I, that's my kind of guess as to what he means by boasting here. Yeah, I you know I think it'd be something to to really look into more at some point, not today necessarily, but for us to think about when we are in our congregations, and and I've been thinking about this a lot that when we gather for worship, especially now where you just don't know where people are at comfort wise. I don't know what it's like in Illinois, but in Minnesota, you just there's there's people that you know aren't coming, but you know they're watching and they're worshiping in other ways. But when they come through the door, I mean, there's a certain sense of healthy boasting. I don't think I've ever said it this way, but healthy boasting that they are in the faith, um, that they are coming to hear the word of God, and we are able to celebrate simply by that fact that they are here. And we yeah. probably don't, we, we will focus too much on who's not there when we should be focusing on who is there and to boast with that and then to boast, know that this is not just now, but this is something that will last forever with you because of mm -hmm. our Lord Jesus, and to boast in that. So we have to come up with a tagline somehow, boasting in the Lord since 1980-whatever. You know, I'm thinking that might be a new tagline for my church, boasting <laughs> in the go. Lord since 1980. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. I'm going to, um, we are going to be looking at moving forward in the text, but you know what, I'm going to do this first, is that we have, a, I have an update on who's been listening and where they're listening from. Uh, we have people who have been listening this morning from Tennessee, Pennsylvania, Colorado, Texas, Virginia, Colorado, and, uh, excuse me, I said Colorado twice, excuse me, and Oregon. So if there's any international people out there, I'm sure Pastor Adel wants to tell his people that he has people around the world listening to him. So if you're out there internationally, go ahead I and give us an that. email. Yeah. <laughs> we'll boast. We definitely will boast. Well, as we look at uh, where we are, I think we'll take a break now. Um, we are studying 2 Corinthians chapter 1 with Pastor Scott Adel. We'll be right back, so please join us again. In 2020, the world was blindsided. At the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we quickly refocused on how to best serve the church. Our COVID-19 response team took action, reaching out and listening to our borrowers. In response, we offered a number of financial remedies that allowed our borrowers time to stabilize. We also provided online streaming kits for churches, gift cards for food pantries, financial support for LCMS church workers, and much more. Life's not yet back to normal, and that's why we're still here for you. Visit lcef.org to learn more. 
A hardened ranch hand bears wounds from the past. As hard as I might try, there are people I cannot forgive. But can he overcome his bitterness? Your memory of your pain is greater than the memory of your deliverance. To protect the son of his best friend. I will give my life to save yours. When Quicksand threatens to kill him. Don't do this. Quicksand, the exciting new audio drama on the next Lamplighter Theater. Saturday mornings at 11 on Worldwide KFUO. Live Friday on Issues Etc. We'll play Issues Etc. Soundbite of the Year. Listeners with the best votes will receive recordings of all 10 Making the Case conferences. You'll find the soundbites on the Talk on Demand archives page at issuesetc.org. Vote by calling live from 4.30 to 5 Friday afternoon, 877-623-MYIE. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back. We are studying 2 Corinthians with Pastor Scott Adel from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois. We just got through verse 14, reminding us of how our boasting should always be boasting in the Lord, as Paul reminds us in Galatians chapter 6, but also to boast that we are together in this body of Christ and that he will bless us even until the very end. Now we make a transition in verse 15 as there's a lot of wonderful theological gems, I would say, in the next um, nine verses, which reminds us of that Paul's letter was not simply a, you know, hey, I look forward to seeing you type of letter, but also he always connects it back to Jesus, always connects it back to our relationship with him and our connection with him in a very pastoral and caring and loving way. So how about we get into the next two verses, verses 15 and 16. Because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first, so you might have a second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia, and to come back to you from Macedonia, and have you send me on my way to Judea. So here he gives us a a good feeling of what he wants to do, and what does uh, Paul want to do here? Well, he clearly wants to preach and teach to them more about the gospel, right? A, a second experience of grace is is how he describes it, that, that he wants to go, come back, and with this godly sincerity and simplicity of the grace of God, wants to see them and encourage them and strengthen them in that way again. And I like how he said that, the simplicity, because he says that in the previous verses. When we really think about it, all that Paul does is very simple, and that extends to us today, because what, what do we do in the church? It's, it's a simple, it's a visit, it's, it's proclaiming what has already been told to us, basically repeating it and listening to people. And this extends into our vocations on a daily life, that we are doing simple things, but clearly they are being done in faith. Now, he wanted to do this uh, another visit, but this wasn't like a normal visit. What kind of visit would you say when Paul goes and sees these churches? What kind of visit is it? Uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- this is uh, just one of the ways in which being an apostle is different than being a pastor. Obvi- obviously, he had churches that he had gone to. Some of the churches he'd helped 
uh, even found, you could say, where he, saw, he, he met at the synagogue first and proclaimed to them the Christ, and many times some of them would believe, sometimes some of them wouldn't. But from that point on, it would be basically uh, a church that he had planted or at least founded with the idea that they understood that the Christ was Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, and then, then so he, he teaches them sometimes for weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes for years, but then he goes on his way down the road. Sometimes he's chased out. Sometimes he voluntarily goes. But after a time has passed, he, he wants to come back and visits the, visit these churches again. And for some of these places where he was kicked out, he'll even say, listen, I didn't get to explain everything that I wanted to explain to you. Sometimes he has works around for that, whether it be a letter or sending another person, whether it's Silas or Timothy, Barnabas, someone like this. But he would come back and clearly do more of what he had done before, more preaching and teaching about Jesus Christ so that they could grow in their knowledge and understanding of the faith. And you can tell, too, that there is a he's visiting because he knows there's a li- he wants to visit this place because he knows there's some tension and this connects well like you said with John's second letter where he says i want to see you face to face and when we are going to have tension with anybody that we know for a fact as you said so well it's good to go face to face so his apostolic visit was not just we're going to get together have some wine hang out have some food but it was going to be for the sake of making sure that we are reconciled as we are already reconciled in Christ. Is yeah. there any thoughts you have or want to add to any of this for those two verses? Well, there there is another reason, as we'll see later on. But he, he says here that he's on his way to Judea. And there are multiple reasons he's going back to Judea. But one of the reasons is he's, he's collecting funds for the church in Judea mm-hmm. to help them out during a period of, uh, was it drought or something like that? Uh, and so he, he will talk to them later on about having an offering ready to help out this church in Judea. So he mentions it here. He'll mention it more later on in the letter. But That's a good point. Yeah, there's always more to the story, isn't there? <laughs> there's yeah. always more to a visit at times. But, but still, with the obvious goal of him to bring the Word of God and to, well, as he said in these first number of verses, comfort and deliverance and really... I, I, I go back to Acts 19, you know, when he's in Ephesus, he, he had to have been sitting there and just telling the stories. Oh, you'll never guess what happened in Ephesus. You'll never guess what happened when Demetrius comes out and, and does this. You never guess what happened here or there. And it's a yeah. fascinating thing to, to oh man, you know, look forward to hopefully um, listening to Paul's stories would be quite the, quite the experience. So mm-hmm. let's move on to verse 17. And we'll go through verse 20, and there's a lot here, Pastor, that I, I want us to dig into because it is so rich in different uh, theological uh, uh, grace. So 17 through 20. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make plans according to the flesh, ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Salvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. 
as we look at this, he speaks with the words, and I wanted to start here and then get to the, I mean, the good stuff with the yes and no language, but I wanted to start in verse 17. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? And he goes back and the yes and no's, but what does he mean, vacillating? What does he mean by this? I mean, clearly he's talking about a way of making plans kind of where he can leave options open, right? So maybe maybe I'll get back here in in a couple months, (laughs) which, you know, if if you want to see him, you take that as great. I want to see him too in a couple months. On the other hand, just the maybe there means – well, maybe not, right? And Paul wants them to know, I mean, if you have children, you know that you kind of have to be particular sometimes about when you are going to do something and when you're not going to do something. Because if you say we're going to do something and you don't follow through, they're going to be hurt. Mm-hmm. And Paul, Paul Paul, is clearly talking here, was, was I acting like that? Was I just shooting off my mouth and saying, you know what? Maybe I'll get back here, or if I have a chance, I'll get back, but didn't actually mean it because there might be a better option than going back to Corinth, someone better that he could see. And I mean, we just find that this is often a human way of operating that, yeah, I I was going to see you guys, but better plans, better people, something else I wanted to do came up. And Paul's saying that, no, I didn't make plans like this according to the flesh. I, I wasn't. I'm not avoiding you because I'm in some more glamorous position now. As as he'd already told them, I almost got killed. So it's <laughs> it's not as if it's not as if he, he he's avoiding them for that reason. And it's not because he didn't actually know his plans, but he was just talking, just to talk. Uh, th- that's not what he, he he wasn't holding up. Yes, no, maybe, who knows, whatever. That's not the way Paul was talking about when he was talking about coming back to them. He did make plans to come back to them. He is going to come back to them insofar as he's able. And it, you know, the more you hear of this, the more you think of a of a normal church is that yeah. we as sinful people gather together and when we don't have a direct answer, or even do have a direct answer, sometimes we go into, I know, I guess I know I do, and I know what happens in all churches, is that we go to, hmm, I wonder what's actually happening here. And Mm -hmm. so there are people, and this is why he has to defend it, there were definitely people as part of the church saying, you know, was he serious or not? Was he actually going to be there? Does he really care? And you just think about the snowball effect, you know, this starts small and goes huge, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Well, well, Paul doesn't care. Or pastor doesn't care, or the teacher doesn't care, all these things, and how quickly that can go down this realm. And he's really trying, he's being sincere, and he wants to point them to the truth. And you can tell in all of this, is a little bit of, I want to give a little bit of a pushback to this, but at the same time, there's a very deep love and concern he has for each one of them. Um, uh, because in verse, uh, excuse me, in chapter 10, there's kind of a little snarky remark that, obviously must have come from the church that says his letters are weighty and strong in verse 10, 10 verse 10, but his bodily presence is weak, meaning where are you, buddy? And his speech is of no account. And you can just hear this in a normal church, right? That, that here you are, you, you're speaking, but there's no action. And so he yeah. really is trying to pull them back. And then what he does, he pulls them back to Jesus. 
And he uses the language yes and no, which we usually talk about with like flip-flopping. Mm-hmm. You know, are you doing this? Or are you doing this? Can you add to that a little bit? What is what, what this yes and no dynamic? What is he trying to do here? Well, as you said, he, he brings them back to the fact, uh, to, to, to God and to Jesus Christ, and the fact that God is faithful. And as we are to be imitators of Christ, and as we are to be godly people, our words should be truth. And so he, he, he's bringing back, now, just as God is faithful, and we, and the hour must mean him and Silas or Timothy, whoever, whoever he's traveling with and whoever's been going back, Titus maybe, that, that we are speaking truthfully too, that God is faithful, we want to be faithful. We didn't say yes and no. We, we, we weren't uh, making eight different plans or even other plans at all. We haven't been speaking that way at all. The, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we preached among you, Silvus, Timothy, and I, it, we weren't lying. It wasn't yes and no. But then he, then he switches it back uh, to Christ. In Christ, uh, the answer is always yes which is an interesting way of talking, but uh, he, he simply says, we're speaking the truth, and furthermore, God is truthful. And he, he has answered us affirmatively in his son, Jesus Christ. It is an interesting way to talk, and it kind of it hits the ears of today's culture a little bit. You feel like you have to clarify this quite a bit, because... You know, I've seen movies. I can't remember the name. Of, I just came to my mind right now. But there was that movie where it's like this dad is, uh, or it wasn't a Jim Carrey movie where it's like he just said yes to liar, everything. Liar, yeah, it, well, yeah. That's true too. <laughs> it was another one though. I can't remember, but it was kind of like I just stopped saying no, and everything was yes, and everything comes together. Well, Lord have mercy. We know if if you say yes to everything for your kids, this is not going to end well in your life. And if you say yes to everything people say, you'll have you will no longer be healthy. You're going to be out of control. So it's a little bit hard to hit the ears, I think, in our culture today. But he connects it in a way that's easy to teach this. For he says, God is faithful, and our word to you has not been yes and no. But then he points to what is yes for the Son of God, who must proclaim among you. In him it is always yes. I was reading a, a couple commentaries on this, and it points us back to the same book, Second Corinthians five, that in Christ God was in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting our trespasses against them. And those are the kind of yes statements you have. Any any other ideas of how we connect yes to the gospel? Because that's what I think that's what he's, I know that's what he's connecting is the yes is the gospel. How would you connect that? Um, maybe scripturally yeah, well, I, or in other ways. You you'd read verse twenty, and so for. All the promises of God find their yes in Him, that is, in Christ. And I think this is a key point, too, that as you were saying earlier, he's talking about salvation finds its yes in Christ. And that uh, this is one of the things we have to be keen on, too, that all of the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Not Mm. all of the promises... We want to be true, not all the promises that we think shouldn't be true, not all the prom- certainly not all the promises that the world makes, but God makes specific promises and fulfills them in Jesus Christ. He, does, he doesn't promise us things like we'll all be rich or we'll all have an easy life or yada, 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 but the things that he has promised 
all come to fruition in Jesus Christ and in the life that we have through him, including eternal life, and all the things that will be the inheritance to come when Christ returns. But the key here is that uh, what God has spoken, he is going to fulfill. And that uh, insofar as Paul is able, what he has spoken, (laughs) he will fulfill. And that's something when we're looking at this, is the understanding that yes means yes, you know, and 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 that's um, let you know we know, let your yes be yes is the kind of language, and for us as a church to be very clear about what the gospel is. I've done this a, a few times in ministry, and sometimes it's not fair, and I know it's not fair, but it is good for us to always remember to be clear what the gospel is. You can, you can say gospel. And, and it can be severely misunderstood. And so you say, what's the gospel? So then I'll like quote some passages, and then I'll say, this, is this the gospel? And I go, uh, yeah, mainly because they're thinking that I'm just saying the obvious. I'm like, no, it's not. And they're like, if you're going to do that, we're not doing this anymore. You know, so it's just, <laughs> what is this? John 3.16, you know, 1 Timothy yeah. 1.15, those kind of things. What is the clear gospel? And you say it. Because that is the yes. Everything that we that we that we need is what God gives. And I find it interesting too, because sometimes we don't want it because it's too easy. I had a, a blessed lady in our congregation who had passed and um, before she died, and she was talking to me about just a number of things and burdens. And she said, You know, Pastor, I know God takes everything and God is always with me and that God has saved me, but there's things that sometimes I just you know, I, I want to give it to God, and it's almost like right before I give it to him, I take it right back because for whatever reason, I want to hold on to it. And right. so we have this yes and no dynamic in our, our sinful flesh, um, but for yeah. God and Christ, it is always yes. Um, and then he concludes here with in verse 20 that it is through him we utter our amen to God for his glory. Can you add to that? What, what is he saying at the end of that verse? Yeah, so amen is, I mean, we, we recognize it as the, the way that, we, although apparently a representative of this country doesn't recognize it, but it is, <laughs> <laughs> it's how we end our prayers, right? And it comes to, uh, it comes to us through the Hebrew, and it just means truly. So if, if you learned according to the catechism, what does amen mean? Amen mean, yes, yes, surely it shall be so, or something like that, right? That mm-hmm. that when when we are praying to God at the end, it's just custom now to add this word, amen, meaning yes, truly, this is what I want to happen. This is what is true. I mean, depending on what kind of prayer it is, whether you're thanking God for things he has done, or you're asking him for things that you need, or you're praising him, all of these kinds of, at the end, you just say, amen, this is what we want to happen. This is true. And so all of our prayers and our amen and our yeses, and this is true, come to us through Jesus Christ. And and that's where um, Oswald Hoffman had that great autobiography. What more what more is there to say but amen? And that is uh, something for us to remember too is you think of amen as oh that's ends the dinner ta- that dinner prayer. Now we can eat mm-hmm. or um, or at potluck or something. Or you're thinking of I know as a kid, you know, I I'm a pastor's kid and and so when dad would say, amen, it meant finally the prayers are over during church or something, you know, it's, oh, it's over, mm-hmm. finally. Um, but yeah. here it's saying, yes, yes, let it be so. And it reminds me, too, of the clarity we have to have. I had a friend of mine who told a story. He went to a church, and when he went to the church, 
that the pastor would end his sermon this way is he would get to the end and go, at least that's my opinion. And then he would be done. He didn't say, amen. <laughs> he would just, he would just say, Oh, well, that's my opinion. And then, and then you go on to the next hymn. You're like, Oh my goodness. I mean, is there any uh, proclamation here? You know? <laughs> no, I mean, the other thing that, that, that maybe comes out in this section too, as you said, let your yes be yes, your no, no, that's actually a quote from Christ. So there, there's mm-hmm. clearly a sign here that Paul knew of, or read of, had heard the Gospels, and that he's hoping that his hearers had heard that Gospel too, and that when he's putting together his, uh, I don't know if you want to call it defense, or when he's, when he's putting constructing his letter, he, he's bringing in slips of words or phrases that they should have heard elsewhere and he's saying, no, no, this is the way Christ talked. This is the way that I'm trying to talk. And let's all talk that way in truth and sincerity. Wonderful. Let's continue on, verses 21 and 22. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I see this as the first 11 verses, he speaks about the God of all comfort. And he speaks here, he goes through his whole plea, talks about his plans, talks about where he's at, and then verse 21, he points us back to Jesus. And so what does Jesus give us? Uh, He establishes us in Christ, he has anointed us, he has put his seal on us, and given us his spirit as a guarantee. So he's just all this language of God to us, God to us, anointing, establishing, uh, sealing, and uh, and giving. All God's uh, all also, God's work. Yeah, well, and it's also a perfectly Trinitarian end to this section too. Father, Christ, and the Spirit. Oh, I mean, this, this, you you find this uh, quite often in letters. I don't know if. I don't, I don't know what, which lectionary you're on. Anyway, uh, last week or the week before, we had Ephesians 1 as mm-hmm. the epistle reading, and, and that section was also just perfectly Trinitarian. This also is too, right? God the Father establishes us in Christ Jesus, and the word Christ there means anointed one. And so Paul mm. says, God establishes us with you in the anointed one and has anointed us. Right, he he has anointed us into his anointed one, into his Christ, and who has put his seal on us and given his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. That uh, I mean, he he's tying nicely several of these different bits together. Where Christ being the anointed ones, well, we have been anointed. I mean, elsewhere he talks about Christ being the Son of God and we being becoming sons through him, and so we have an inheritance. They're just different uh, wow. ways that Paul talks about us being connected to Christ. And here, here the connection is anointing. Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit. We are anointed, and he goes on to say, he put this seal on us, or on you, Corinthians, mm-hmm. and us as a church, uh, by giving us his Spirit. That just as Christ was anointed with the Holy Spirit, so also God has given that same Spirit to us in our hearts as a guarantee, as a seal, right? Because be- uh, th- these things just mean they mark us out as His. He has established us. He has marked us and sealed us with His own mark, inscription, wow, seal, however you want to put it. Uh, mm. 
because he's given us the Holy Spirit. And so we know we're saved. We know he's going to pay out because he speaks truthfully, and he is faithful, is what Paul had just said. And so he brings it around, as you said, to Christ and to the work that he has done for us in Christ and to bring home the comfort of salvation. And he just says, this is guaranteed. It's sealed. It's it's God doing the work, so you know it's done correctly. I think a lot about this language of seal during seminary. You talked a lot about the seal of being baptized, you know, that mm-hmm. that was a seal of a mark, you know, that was put yeah. on you. You think of a seal, you know, when you have a letter and you, you put that seal on there to make sure that, that you know it's from that person, and at the same mm-hmm. time that it has not been tampered with, you know has not been tampered with. And so there was one I was reading, a seal for security, concealment, authenticity, attestation, and confirmation. And I mean, we could talk all day about about the seal that he puts in this, but I really enjoy what you're saying about how this is Trinitarian. I never, I mean, I, I, I probably would have thought about it, but I hadn't thought about it for a long time. It's just the Trinitarian nature, not only, because we'll talk about the Trinity and get confused, like, oh, Athanasian Creed, I don't get it. How does this work? When we do need to focus our attention um, in this Christian life about what the Holy Trinity gives us, establishes us, give us grounding, anoints us, makes us holy, um, and then puts that seal on us and gives us his Holy Spirit as a guarantee. That is, it reminds me of Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God has poured his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, a, I imagine a seal kind of like just a pouring down that there's no inch of us that is not sealed by our Lord Jesus. Yeah. Let's move on. It, we have, um, we have just a, say, oh, go, go for ahead. it. No, well, please. I was going to say, it's a nice tie into uh, the baptism of Jesus this weekend, if mm. you have that reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, good point. Now now I have my sermon. Thank you. There you go. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll close it out here. We have about three minutes left, and let's do the last two verses. But I call God, but I call God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrain from coming again to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. So Paul shows his goal here. And what is he? Was he summing up here in the last two verses? He, he, his goal is their faith, their joy, and, and their firmness or their soundness in that faith. Uh, and he uses here actually an oath, which uh, usually we talk about not using God's name that way. In by and large, most circumstances, this is one of the ways we explain this, the second commandment. But at the same time, we say there are times when we do use an oath properly. Here, Paul uses an oath, and he does it as uh, as a witness to his sincerity and truth, and also uh, the sincerity of, of what he preaches about Jesus Christ. And he speaks, in, once again, in such wonderful pastoral language uh, that, okay, you know what, I couldn't be there, um, but hopefully I will be there, but to, that we lord it over your faith. You know, his goal is faith for these people, mm-hmm. but we work with you. We work with you. Not that I, you know, not, not that I lord it over you, but I work with you. And this goes back to when he says um, that, he anoint, that he established us, anointed us, that he has put his seal on 
us, that he's not just saying on you or just on me. He's saying all of us together in this. And here that he is not lording it over them, but he wants to work with them. Why? For joy. And, and as Jesus tells us, that our joy may be complete. Because so, our goal when we preach and when we teach and KFUO and, and any kind of ministry, our goal is not for us to be known, but is for Christ to be known and that other people may stand firm in the faith. Last thoughts on this wonderful part of Scripture, Pastor. Yeah, well, I mean, th- this, these two verses connect directly to the paragraph that comes next in, in chapter 2. But he says here it was he, one of the reasons for his delay was to spare them in some way. And I, I suppose you'll talk a little bit about that more next time. Probably true. Probably true. Well, as we look at this once again, Pastor, it is something that we see a pastoral heart. We see one who admits, you know what, I haven't been able to do some of these things, but yet, Lord, um, will give me the opportunity to do them. Otherwise, do I vacillate sometimes? Yes. Did I vacillate on the gospel? Absolutely not. And what do we all we have to say to this, just like our beloved Oswald Hoffman is all I can say is amen. That concludes our time with together. Pastor Scott Adel is pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, helping us today with 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Pastor Adel, thank you for being our guest. Good to be with you. God bless you. As it says here in 2 Corinthians, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. To us, all we can say is amen. I'm your host, Pastor Brady Finnern from Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us this day, and and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.